Hello and welcome to Background Briefing, available 24-7 at ianmasters.com. I'm Ian Masters, and today we'll look into a number of stories and issues in the news. We'll begin with President Trump's formal recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital, announced today, and his plan to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv. The former spokesman for Shimon Peres, Gideon Levy, and Israeli journalist and columnist for Haaretz, joins us from Tel Aviv to discuss Trump's gift to Netanyahu that leaves the U.S. totally isolated as the only country in the world to have an embassy in Jerusalem. We'll assess the likely impact of Trump's announcement on the Palestinian territories and in the neighboring countries and the extent to which it dims the hope for any future two-state solution, a prospect that already appears to be dead in the water. We will also examine the similarities between Trump and Netanyahu inasmuch as both are pursuing aggressive right-wing policies while judicial inquiries close in on them and threaten their political futures. Then we'll get an analysis of whether the rush to get something passed by the Republicans so that they will not have to run next year as the do-nothing Congress will result in a worse backlash once their constituents know what is in their so-called tax reform bill and how much it will hurt average Americans. Paul Waldman, who writes for the Washington Post's Plum Line and is a contributing editor to the American Prospect, where he has an article, How Republicans Are Digging Their Own Grave for 2018, and another at the week, Republicans' Remarkable Self-Deception on Tax Cuts, joins us to discuss the possibility that the bill will die in conference as many members from blue states begin to realize how much their vote for the bill will amount to political suicide. Then finally, we will speak with the former speechwriter for UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, Mark Seddon, a professor of international relations at Columbia University, about his article at The Guardian, Have We Got Just Three Months to Avert a U.S. Attack on North Korea? He joins us to discuss John Bolton's recent trip to the UK House of Commons, where the former US ambassador to the UN relayed a message from the Trump White House that the CIA head had told Trump that he had a three-month window to strike North Korea before they had the capability to hit Washington with a nuclear-tipped ICBM. And joining us now from Tel Aviv, Israel, is Gideon Levy, who's an Israeli journalist and columnist for Haaretz and a member of the newspaper's editorial board. He's the former spokesman for Shimon Peres, and Gideon writes the weekly Twilight Zone feature, which covers the Israeli occupation in the West Bank and Gaza for the last 25 years. And his latest book is The Punishment of Gaza. Welcome to Background Briefing, Gideon Levy. Thank you so much. And uh, today, Donald Trump did what people feared he would do, and he announced that the U.S. was going to move its embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, making the United States the only country in the world that would have an embassy in Jerusalem. And the assumption here is that this would signal basically an end to the two-state solution, an end to any possibility of a Palestinian state because the end game, if you will, of a deal would be a deal over Jerusalem, and this is preempting that possibility. So do you see it in as, as dire terms as the rest of the world appears to see it? Not exactly, because I think the end of the two-state solution uh, happened already a few years ago. Uh, this will maybe um, symbol it, but uh, it happened long before, I don't tend to think that uh, it is such a dramatic change right now. 
Uh, it's more declarative, and I think that uh, in a few weeks we will forget about it. it. It is less meaningful than it seems, because by the end of the day we are dealing mainly with rhetoric and quite empty rhetoric. Well, but in the meantime, will there be violence? There's talk of a new intifada. Clearly this impacts Jordan, uh, which is majority Palestinians. So are you concerned about reactions in the Palestinian and the Arab world at large, or is that just a momentary temper tantrum? It's very hard to foresee. You see, the first intifada broke because of a car accident, so you never know. But as it seems now, there will be some violence, but very limited. I don't see the energy for another uprising, for another intifada. And in terms of King Abdullah in Jordan, he's obviously worried. Uh, he's a pretty tenuous situation there. Is there any indications? I mean, the Jordanians have always had a control, if you will, over access to the third holiest shrine of Islam. And we've seen incidents in the past where it doesn't, as you point out, one intifada started by a car accident. It doesn't take much to meddle with the Temple Mount to rile up the Islamic world, does it not? Right, but uh, it really depends on, on uh, what will be, because uh, practically nothing changes now. Uh, the influence of Jordan in, in Jerusalem will remain as it was. By the end of the day, we are speaking about the reality of an Israeli occupation which lasts now for 50 years, and this is what matters much more than another speech. Well, I don't know whether you noticed an opinion piece in the New York Times about a week ago by former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak, but he said that Israel finds its very future identity and security severely threatened by the whims and illusions of the ultranational government of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, a lot of Americans feel that they are subject to the whims of Donald Trump, as indeed in the case that we're talking about, moving the embassy for no apparent reason. So what's your sense of whether, what kind of a deal is there between Netanyahu and, and Trump? Is Trump doing Netanyahu's bidding? Because we just learned recently from the special prosecutor's indictment of General Flynn, the short-lived national security advisor, that Jared Kushner lobbied Flynn to go and talk to the Russian ambassador to see if they could do something about Obama's expected vote on the Security Council to condemn settlements, which eventually ended in a U.S. abstention. It was pretty clear from what was revealed in those court documents that Jared Kushner was doing Netanyahu's bidding. So there seems to be some kind of relationship, whether Jared Kushner is the go-between between his father-in-law and Netanyahu. What's your understanding of that relationship and, and what similarities do you see between Netanyahu and Trump, given what uh, Ehud Barak wrote about recently in the New York Times? Oh, there are so many similarities, and above all, they are both in trouble. Both Netanyahu and Trump are in trouble now. Both face uh, investigations. And uh, both believe also, in many ways, believe in the same values. And um, I'm not sure that for both of them, the future of their own country is their main concern or the first concern. 
Uh, no doubt that uh, Trump gave Netanyahu a present today, and the present in times that Netanyahu is getting more and more complicated in the investigations. Uh, pay even the attention to the small fact that uh, Donald Trump did it at 8 o'clock local time Israel, which is the Israeli prime time on TV. Nothing is by chance here. He really gave him a present. God knows why and God knows what for. It will not be for the benefit neither for Israel nor for peace. Well, Barak mentioned in his recent article in the New York Times that Mr. Netanyahu's Likud party recently introduced legislation that would explicitly forbid the police from recommending indictments at the end of high-profile investigations. To clear up any questions about his intentions, the law would apply even to inquiries that are already open, like the one into the Prime Minister's dealings. That certainly sounds like a mirror of what's being speculated over here is that Donald Trump wants to shut down Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian meddling in the last elections, and he may well do that at the end of the year. So, again, there's a similarity there, but the fact that the Likud party's already introduced that legislation, where does it stand? I mean, that's a get-out-of-jail-free pass, isn't it? No, not really, because it's all about publishing the recommendation of the police. This does not mean that uh, uh, it's just postponing the the public echo uh, not much more than this. And for Netanyahu, it's uh, vital because he wanted to gain more time in, in office. In any case, this was postponed now, and I'm not sure that this will ever... Uh, will be legislated after there was quite a big protest in Israel against it. And what exactly has he done or alleged to have done? Netanyahu? Yes. He got gifts for hundreds and thousands of dollars from some friends in terms of cigars and champagnes. He um, might be involved in one or two cases of uh, bribery or Suspicions to bribery with a publisher of the biggest Israeli newspaper who offered him uh, a deal. And in the background, there is still uh, the story of the submarine deal with Germany, which all his surrounding is involved, but he claims not to know anything, but this is still to be investigated. And again, I'm speaking with Gideon Levy, who's an Israeli journalist and columnist for Haaretz and a member of the newspaper's editorial board. He's the former spokesman for Shimon Peres and writes the weekly Twilight Zone feature, which covers the Israeli occupation in the West Bank and Gaza for over the last 25 years. And his latest book is The Punishment of Gaza. So is that to say that the judiciary in Israel is strong and independent? I mean, in this country... The Democrats are completely out of power and the Republicans don't even include them in any any negotiations anymore, like with the tax bill. They just ignored them totally. So you have the total control by a far right-wing uh, Republican Party now, which has been taken over by its right wing, as it appears that has ha- also happened in Israel. And the only people that are sort of fighting back, if you will, uh, ironically, what Stephen Bannon and the alt-right people over here call the deep state. So, again, I'm, I'm bringing up kind of analogies or similarities 
But is there a similarity there between the fact that the opposition to Netanyahu politically is weak, but the judiciary is not necessarily weak? No, there is one basic, basic difference between Israel and the United States that uh, in Israel, the, the legal system, the judges are nominated and not elected, while in your country they are elected, so they depend more on politicians. Uh, in Israel, it seems more independent, but uh, Netanyahu and his party are doing in the recent years all possible efforts to weaken the legal system, and they had some success. Uh, I wouldn't call it strong and independent. Uh, they didn't win yet, but um, there are quite serious cracks. And um, they are relatively weak, uh, relatively strong and relatively independent, but um, I wouldn't take it for granted. Uh, there are so many efforts to weaken them. And you see the behavior of the legal system. Many investigations t take much too much time than they should. And uh, only public pressure moves some investigations. The media is pushing hard for some investigations. And uh, the legal system has no other choice but to follow those pressures. But this is not a strong and independent system, by all means not. So in terms of U.S. influence, uh, you know, we have, the, of course, APAC here in, in Washington is considered a pretty powerful organization. But it does seem in terms of what Donald Trump is, and of course he made this promise in a speech he gave to APAC of moving the uh, embassy to Jerusalem. And he's now today saying he's fulfilling that promise. But it seems to me that in many ways this is more going to resonate with the so-called Christian Zionists in this country, the religious right that have this peculiar support for Israel based on the idea that Israel will trigger Armageddon. And that in itself is, seems, strikes me as some kind of spiritual pornography, but nevertheless, that seems to be the ties there. But with Netanyahu making this deal with the ultra-Orthodox parties that essentially makes American Jews, particularly Reform and Conservative Jews, second-class citizens in terms of access to this prayer space at the Western Wall, for example. Do you think that's going to affect support for Israel, or at least support for this right-wing government from America? First of all, it didn't move the embassy. It will take some months and maybe some years, and maybe it will never happen. Uh, remember, he just declared that in the same time he signed the bill to postpone it for another six months. And um, time will show if Donald Trump will really move the embassy. And by the end of the day, in my view, moving the embassy to Jerusalem has a very, very limited practical meaning. Uh, it's more declarative and um, it's time to show if this will uh, happen at all. As for the support of uh, the Christian Zionists and others, uh, I don't call those circles friends of Israel. They are the biggest enemies of Israel because they teach Israel that it can go wild, it can do whatever it wants, and it will get blind and automatic support. This is not friendship. 
And in terms of Netanyahu's capitulation to the Orthodox parties on religious issues, will that affect Israel's relationship with American Jews? Yes, it, it did already by now. Uh, it did already, and um, there, there is quite a growing gap between the Israeli government and the Jewish uh, establishment in the United States. Uh, Netanyahu did so because he has the substitute, and the substitute is, as you rightly mentioned, the Christian Zionists. Well, I thank you for joining us, uh, Gideon Levy. I guess in closing, you're, you're not that alarmed by what's happened, and you don't think necessarily it's that significant, but we don't know what kind of reactions there are going to be in the so-called Arab street, and they're closer to you in the Palestinian territories. Right. I'm very alarmed, but not necessarily from this speech. I'm very alarmed from the fact that there's no one here to put an end to the occupation. Well, Gideon Levy, I thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And again, I've been speaking with Gideon Levy, who's an Israeli journalist and columnist for Haaretz and a member of the newspaper's editorial board. He's the former spokesman for Shimon Peres and writes the weekly Twilight Zone feature, which covers the Israeli occupation of the West Bank and Gaza for over the last uh, 25 years. And his latest book is The Punishment of Gaza. We're going to take a brief station break and back with an analysis of whether the rush to get something passed by the Republicans so that they will not have to run next year as a do-nothing Congress will result in a worse backlash once their constituents know what is in their so-called tax reform bill and how much it will hurt average Americans.